Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. hanging out with us. Here's a special entrepreneur for us today. We're going to talk about from Elvis to Alvira with Richard Sturban. Now, no doubt many of you have heard of the legendary Elvis. No matter your age, you know some of his songs. You probably know the tunes to sing some of them. You've seen them in movies too, I'm sure. Now, what if you were back in time and you were given the opportunity to sing with him on stage? Fantastic. And how would you deal with further opportunities that took you on a different career? What would you do? And would you make a success out of it? And while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get very successful at growing your business to a high sustainable level. You're always going to have some choices in your business. That's a given. There's always a choice. Well, when you come to a fork in the road, which one do you take? Well, let's see if this elite entrepreneur can shed any light for you. Meet Richard Sturban. Way back when, in 1972, he joined a group called J.D. Sumner and the Stamps Quartet. And that got him singing on stage with the king of rock and roll. And I'm going to let him tell you the rest of the story. Let's get into it. Hi, Richard. Welcome to the Tony Dierso Show. So good to have you on with us today. Well, Tony, thank you. It's a pleasure for me to be able to talk to you and to all your fine listeners out there, I'm looking forward to it, to say the least. Well, thank you. I'm so curious to learn more about From Elvis to Elvira and beyond. And what I'd like to do, Richard, is take it from the top. Can you tell us how did it all happen for you? Well, for about two years prior to joining the Oak Ridge Boys, I sang in a group called J.D. Sumner and the Stamps Quartet. Now, J.D. Sumner and Stamps Quartet, they were Elvis's backup group. And uh, when I first joined the group, they were not, however. I happened to be in the right place at the right time. I moved to Nashville. I joined J.D. Sumner and the Stamps Quartet. And I was there for about six months. And we got a phone call. And it was from Elvis. Elvis knew J.D. Sumner. They were friends. They both were from the Memphis area. And Elvis was looking to hire a new backup group because the group he had before that called the Imperials, they had a conflict. They could not make the next tour. And so Elvis wanted to hire a new group. So we called J.D. Sumner. And so I found myself in the right place at the right time. I was a young man in my 20s. And all of a sudden, I found myself singing on stage with the biggest star in the world. You know, it was unbelievable. You know, uh, I have some great memories of the times that I spent with Elvis. You know, it, it was a very special time in my life. And now that a lot of time has passed and I have a chance to look back on that, I'm very thankful that I was fortunate enough to experience that because it was a special time in my life. And, you know, to be on, on stage with the biggest star in the world is pretty mind-boggling. So it's an experience I'll never forget. That's absolutely amazing. Now, you were young, you're a young man, and you wanted to be a singer. Now, you could have done many things. What led you into the world of singing and performing? Well, this is kind of, it goes way back before that. 
believe it or not, you, you may find this hard to believe, but the first singing that I ever did was as a boy soprano. And that is a fact. I, uh, I was about six years old and I was in church. I was in Sunday school. And I remember singing in front of the, I can still picture it in my mind, me in front of the congregation singing. I don't remember the song I sang because it was so long ago, but I do remember that experience. And I felt, even though I was only six years old, I felt impressed that day that this is what I was meant to do with my life. I was meant to sing in front of people. So, you know, I followed my dream after that. You know, I I, uh, I had some wild ideas about maybe being a, a, a ball player at one time, but I was not very old in life when I realized I did not have the talents to be a ball player. So I pursued being a singer, you know, and I actually had a high voice until I got into junior high school. And in seventh grade, I was still singing tenor in the Glee Club. The summer between seventh grade and eighth grade, my voice made a drastic, drastic change. And, and boy, did it change, you know. And, and the choir teacher could not believe the difference. When I went back for my eighth grade year, she put me in the second bass section. And, uh, you know, I've been there ever since. But like I say, I followed my dream. and I felt like this is what I was meant to do, you know, with with my life. You know, I, I uh, helped organize my own group when I was in college called the Keystone Quartet. And believe it or not, Joe Bonzo, who's, who's the tenor singer for the Oak Ridge Boys, he and I actually sang together, you know, until I got the phone call one day from J.D. Sumner. And he wanted to hire me. It involved me leaving the Keystone Quartet and moving to Nashville. And then, you know, I uh, ended up, you know, and ended up singing with the Oak Ridge Boys. You know, while I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, maybe just a little bit here, but while I was with J.D. Sumner singing with Elvis, one day I got a phone call that really changed my life. It was from William Lee Golden. He's the guy in the Oak Ridge Boys with the long beard, He's probably the most recognizable one of the Oak Ridge Boys. You know, if I w walk down the street by myself, I usually can, can be pretty anonymous. But when William Lee goes anywhere, he, he's going to be recognized immediately. But back then when he called me, this is kind of interesting, he did not have that long beard. He was Mr. GQ, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Hard you know, to imagine. But, but, yeah, but he called me and he said the bass singer in the Oak Ridge Boys was going to leave the group. And the Oak Ridge Boys wanted to know if I would be interested in taking the job. So here I was, apparently on top of the world, singing with the king of rock and roll, but I had to make a decision. You know, like, what do I do? And I had to admit, at the same time, I was a big fan of the Oak Ridge Boys. I, I love the music they were making back then. I collected most of their records. And, uh, and I really felt like the group had a great deal of potential. So I made a decision to leave Elvis and to join the Oak Ridge Boys. Because I really believed I was doing the right thing. I wanted to be a part of the Oak Ridge Boys. And, uh, you know, back then, a lot of people questioned my decision. How could you do that? How could you leave Elvis and join the Oak Ridge Boys? But, you know, I, I followed my heart on this. Once again, I really believed I was doing the right thing. And now that it's almost 50 years later, this October, 
it will be 50 years, just a few months. Uh, I, I, I think when I look back, I made a pretty good decision back there because over the last 50 years, not just for me personally, but all four of the Oak Ridge boys, we've been so fortunate. We've been so blessed. We have had such a great career. So many great things have happened to us. It's really, it's really pretty mind-boggling. It really is. And you know, and you never know how things are going to happen in your life. I never dreamed when I was back as a young man in my twenties, singing on stage with Elvis. You know, kind of standing in the dark, just singing background vocals. I never dreamed that someday I would be in the Country Music Hall of Fame together with Elvis. So you never know how things can happen in your life. And so if you walk into the rotunda here at the, in the Country Music Hall of Fame, right here in Nashville, which and that's a very special place, you see the four faces of the Oak Ridge Boys in bronze. You look down the wall just a little ways, you're, you're going to see Elvis. And, and you're, you're going to see Johnny Cash and Dolly Parton, you know, the biggest names in country music. And for the Oak Ridge Boys to be a part of that, for me personally, to be a part of that is so special. But as I said, I never dreamed back then when I was singing with Elvis as a young man in my 20s that I would be here today. But here I am. We're speaking with Richard Sturban from Elvis to Elvira, and you can find him at OakRidgeBoys.com. You know those words, three words, OakRidgeBoys.com. Richard, I've got so many questions. One of the one of the things that I wanted to make sure I, I ask is, what was your reaction and what was it like when you found out that you're going to sing on stage with Elvis, who's king of rock and roll, legend, and here you are, you're going to sing on stage with him. What was that like? Well, I couldn't believe it. I figured, wow, I'm going to be on the same stage with Elvis. You know, it, it, it was just an amazing feeling. And it's hard to describe. And, and I, one, of the, one of the best experiences I've ha had in my life was the first, very first time I actually met Elvis. When I found out we were going to uh, be singing with Elvis, uh, we all realized that we had to rehearse. We had to learn Elvis's show. We had to, and so a the, the tour started in Minneapolis, the very first tour. And I remember the Stamps Quartet, we all traveled up to Minneapolis and we went to the, to the it was actually a ballroom in a ho hotel there in Minneapolis we where the rehearsal was gonna take place. And I remember getting there at the appointed time and the TCB band, all of Elvis's band, they were all there. The Sweet Inspirations, background girls that sang with him for years, they were all there. Kathy Westmoreland, the beautiful soprano voice, you know, that sang with Elvis, they were all there. And we got to know them. We kind of hung out with them for a while, but there was no Elvis, you know. And even they said, you know, Elvis enjoys being fashionably late. He, he likes to make his grand entry. He likes to make an appearance. She said, but even this is kind of unusual for, for him to be this late. But after a while, to make a long story short, eventually we heard this commotion coming down the hall. Sure enough, the door into the, into the rehearsal hall opened. Elvis walked in with, with, with his bodyguards, his little entourage. When he walked into the room, I will never forget that feeling. My jaw dropped. I mean, when he walked into the room, you could actually almost feel his, you could almost feel him walk into the room. He has such a, I don't know the, the correct word to use, maybe charisma or magnetism, but he definitely had something. And when he walked into the room, he like 
took over the place, you know, and, uh, and, 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 you know, up to, up to, uh, that point in my life, I, you know, I was an Elvis fan and, but kind of a casual Elvis fan. But when he walked through that door there and I saw him, I went, wow, I now know why he is the biggest star in the world. He had something special that I will never forget. And, uh, and, and like I say, it's, it's a feeling that's hard to describe. He came over to all the stamps. He hugged us. He hugged us all. He called us all by our first name. He called me Richard by my first name and welcomed me into the organization. But my initial meeting with Elvis is an experience I will never, ever forget because it was very special. That is absolutely bone chilling in a way. I can totally see it. It was like I was watching a movie as you were speaking, totally getting it. And I'm wondering, how was it on stage singing with Elvis? Well, you know, it was once again very special. Uh, I don't know that I've ever experienced anything quite like it. I mean, the first show we ever did with Elvis, we were kind of standing on the side of the stage, standing in the, in the dark. And all of a sudden, he played he played his his coming on music, you know, which is you know something that you will never forget. But uh, two thousand one Space Odyssey, I believe, is what it was it, the, the music was from. But when he walked on stage, it, it was hard to describe that feeling. The whole arena became so bright with flashbulbs. I mean, there was thousands of flashbulbs going off all on the same time. And so it, it was like a mind boggling experience. And he then he started to, to go into hit after hit after hit. It was such a special show. You could understand why he was the biggest star in the world. And I will have to tell you, Elvis was the king of rock and roll. There's no question about it. Uh, but I think I really believe deep down inside his favorite music was gospel music. And, you know, we, we, we used to spend a lot of time singing gospel quartet songs. He would want to get the stamps to come around him. And, and we, we sing a lot of songs. He loved spirituals. We sang a lot of spirituals with him. In fact, I think I developed an, a new appreciation for spirituals just being around Elvis. But, but I said all that to say this, probably for me personally, the highlight of his show was when he sang, How Great Thou Art. I mean, you could tell that he really believed what he was singing. And it was a feeling that was so special. You almost felt like if you looked up, you would see Jesus. You know, he was he was that strong of a feeling. So I, that I really, to me personally, that how great the art was probably the highlight of his show. But his whole show was so mind-boggling. It, it was it was actually beyond words. Absolutely astounding. It, it, again, it's you you kind of have to be there or see the the films and videos. It's it's a spectacle. Is that the right way to say it? Or spectacular? That's just mind-boggling. <laughs> Yeah. Richard, is there anything that you perhaps could share, maybe a little short, little tiny story about Elvis, perhaps that you've never shared before? Is there anything that you could share with us? There, I have a book out. Now, I don't mean to be blatantly commercial, but I have a book out. And if anyone is in, it's called the same title as the, as the show we're doing here from Elvis to Belvire. And by the way, I love that title, you know, uh, it's, it kind of says it all. You know, if you are an Elvis fan, there are great Elvis stories in there. There's no doubt about it. If you're an Oak Ridge Boys fan, 
there are great Oak Ridge Boys stories in there. No doubt about that as well. But it's also my personal story. You know, you get to know me just a little bit better. I go back to my childhood days and I talk about an experience that I already talked about as a boy, six year old boy singing in church, singing in Sunday school. And, and you can follow my life, you know, up until the present day. Uh, but I do tell a story in there about Elvis that I, which I have told before, but it's worth telling again. And I think it'd be perfect for the show that we're doing right here. Elvis was the biggest practical jokester in the world. He loved to play practical jokes. And we were playing in Las Vegas, and uh, Elvis did two shows in Las Vegas. He did an 8 o'clock show, and then again he did a midnight show. One night after the 8 o'clock show, we were in our dressing room changing clothes, going to rest for a couple hours before the second show, and Elvis walked into our dressing room. He had never done that before. And he said, fellas, I need your help. He said, I've had some crazy people call me and claim they're going to try to get me and shoot me. And I said, but we we've had we have a call that this this wacko guy, crazy guy, is going to be coming to the second show, and he swears he's going to get me. He's either an irate boyfriend or an irate uh, husband or something. You know, a lot a lot of men were jealous of Elvis, that's for sure. <laughs> but so he said, I want you guys to help me on the second show. He said, what I want you to do. Come up to my suite, and my my two bodyguards, Red West and Sunny West, they're going to explain to you what they want you to do to do during the second show. So we're okay, you know. But this has never happened before. But we got dressed. We walked up to the top of the Las Vegas Hilton, and went and knocked on the door. It was a suite. Just, uh, someone opened the door. We walked in there, and Elvis was standing right in the middle of the suite. At, at, at the piano, there's a big grand piano right in the middle of the suite. He's kind of plunking on the piano. And uh, we walked over there, and, and, and one of us said, well, Elvis, this, this seems like it's kind of serious. And he said, well, he said it really is. I, he said, I've had strange phone calls before, but this one seems like it, it's really the real thing. He said, so, so Sonny, Sonny and Red, my two bodyguards, they're here. They're going to explain to you what they want you to do on this second show. So uh, one of them started saying, well, one, one, uh, Sonny was going to be on one side of the stage. Red is going to be on the other side of the stage. And during the show, we want you guys to look out into the audience. And if you see anything strange or anyone that looks suspicious, get our attention, you know, immediately. And while they were saying that, all of a sudden, the, the door of the suite opened up. And this guy came running through the door and he said, Presley, I'm going to get you. And he started shooting. He started shooting. <laughs> the gun. And there was other security guards around there from the hotel as well. They all pulled out their guns and they started shooting back. <laughs> I dove under a table, banged my head and I was praying, you know, dear Lord, don't let me die. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, Elvis, he, 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 he laid down on the floor and J.D. Sumner, he was so concerned about Elvis that he jumped on top of Elvis to try to protect him. And that's when we realized what was happening. When J.D. jumped on top of Elvis, he was laughing so hard he, he could not contain himself. Evidently, all the guns that were being fired all had blanks 
It was the, it was just a big joke, but it was the most real joke that's ever been played on me in my life. I, I'll never forget that experience. And I remember going back to the second show. I was still so shook up because it was so real. I still felt nervous on that second show. <laughs> but he, Elvis got such a big kick out of it. He just loved to play practical jokes. Oh, I'm laughing my head off. It's so hard to get out the next question. <clears throat> Richard, that is so funny. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, yes, uh, I encourage everyone to get the book From Elvis to Elvira. You can find it on Amazon. You can go to oh, I, I, once again. I'm going to sound commercial here, but Please. you can go to you can go to oakridgeboys.com, and uh, there's a link there to take and show you you know how you can how you can buy the book. Or if you ever come to one of our shows, <clears throat> you can buy it from us. We sell it at our at, at our table where we sell merchandise. Excellent, Richard. We're entrepreneurs and business owners in the audience. We're always looking. Uh, to get inspiration, get motivation, learn from the guests that we have on the show. They all have, they've been through diversity. They've had to make like, as a new major change, major choice. You're at this fork in the road. We all have to make decisions in our business. You made an astounding, a staggering decision. You were had this fork. Do you go, do you stay with Elvis on stage? Do you do the Oak Ridge boys? And you mentioned this a little bit. I like to know, uh, kind of what went through your mind a little bit more and how did you make that decision? You said you followed your heart. Is it that easy? Cause sometimes we have tough, tough decisions to make. Well, you know, I think in life, first of all, to be successful, I think you have to decide what it is that you want to do, you know, and, and I think that's an important decision that everyone has to make. You got to figure out what your calling is in life. And I figured that out, I believe, you know, at, 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 at a young age. But everyone, does, it, it takes some people till they get to an older age to get to that point where they can decide what their calling is in life, what they really want to do. But I think you have to make that decision. And then when you make that decision, then you have to kind of do what I did. You have to follow your heart. You have to do whatever it takes to make yourself better at it, what it, whatever it is that you do. If you want to be a singer, you got to work on your, you got to sing as much as you can. You got to work on your craft. You have to become as good as you can possibly be become because you never know when the break is going to come your way. So, you know, that's what I can tell you. But in the case of, of, of the, when I left Elvis to join the Oak Ridge Boys, I was following my heart because I wanted to do, I wanted to sing in a group. It was very, very exciting being with Elvis. We've already talked about that quite a bit, and I can't deny it. I, I, I'm so glad I had a chance to experience that, and I'm glad I had a chance to get to know Elvis just a little bit. But I stood in the dark when I was there with Elvis, singing background harmonies. My personal aspirations were beyond that, and I wanted to sing in a group. And, and, and I had this low voice, which I felt would be perfect for a, a quartet. And then when the position opened at the Oak Ridge Boys, it was not that difficult of a position of a decision for me. I told William Lee Golden when he called me up, give me 24 hours, I'll call you tomorrow. And I already knew when I told him that what my decision was going to be. But I, I thought about it. I talked it over with my family and uh, said a little prayer about it, you know, and, and uh Next day, I called William Lee back and I said, I'm taking the job. You know, you tell me where you tell me where to show up. So I followed my heart. And I think that's the, the important thing. Once you decide what you're going to do, work at it as hard as you can. Make yourself 
the best, if it's being a carpenter or whatever it is in life, become the best carpenter that you can possibly become, you know, and, and, and just follow your dreams, you know, and, and, and that's what I did. And, and uh, I've had a great 50 years of being a part of the Oak Ridge Boys. And I don't mean to get ahead of myself, but I'll tell you this. We do not plan to retire. You know, we're not the youngest kids on the block any longer, as you know. But uh, I think is I think health is the key to our future. I think as long as the good Lord above will allow the four Oak Ridge boys to experience good health, we're going to keep doing what it is that we do, what we, that we love doing, because we believe really that this is our calling in life, you know, to, to help people with our music. That's what we want to do. So as long as we're able to do it, we're going to continue to do it. Like we all have said here recently, I think one day we'll know when it's time to hang it up, but it's not that time. yet. I think the good Lord up above will tell us. But in, in the meantime, we're, we're going to keep doing what it is that we love doing. Richard, when you joined the Oak Ridge Boys, they were already well-known, famous. They were they were doing the tour. They, they had hits. They were very successful. You joined a, a, a group that was already doing very, very well, and it continued to be successful with hits. Tell us about your how it went with the Oak Ridge Boys after you made that decision, and then we want to get into Elvira and some of the big hits that you guys have uh, put together. Okay. Well, you know, there was an interesting thing that happened to the Oak Ridge Boys along the way. Not too long after I joined the Oak Ridge Boys, we started working some dates with Johnny Cash. You know, I talked about uh, how special of a person Elvis Elvis was. The only other person I can think of that, that had that same magnetism, that same charisma was Johnny Cash. And he came into our lives. And he took us under his wing, so to speak, him and his, his wonderful wife, June Carter. And he put us on, on some shows. And uh, we were actually, you know, we had not really established ourselves in country music yet. So we were kind of struggling along. And we were playing once again in Las Vegas, you know, with Johnny Cash this time and the Oak Ridge Boys this time. And uh, Johnny Cash could tell that we were a little discouraged. Our heads were kind of hanging and, and one day he called us all up, you know, during the afternoon before the show that night. And he, he said, you know, I, fellas, I want to talk to you guys. I want you guys to come up to my room. And, you know, John Cash was always a special person to us. He always paid us more money than we were worth. You know, whenever you, do, you, you whenever you work a date, you sign a contract for X amount of money. He always gave us more money than what the contract called for. He gave a, a tip, if you would. You know, so that, that that shows you right there what kind of a person he was. But we went up to his room and said, fellas, I can tell that your heads are hanging. And, 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 you know, we were a little discouraged because we had no other dates booked after that engagement with Johnny Cash. We did not know how we were going to keep our group together. And so he said, fellas, I will help you as much as I can. He said, but I want, want you guys to do is to find a way and you've got to do it. And it's up to you. You got to do it yourself. You got to find a way to stay together. He said, there is something special about your group. There's, there's magic about the four of you guys. No one knows it. And if you give up right now, 
you will never realize your dreams. And people, no one else will know how special you guys are. So you got to find a way. He said, I will help you once again, but it's going to be up to you. You got, and he says, I promise you that if you'll find a way to stay together, good things are about to happen to you guys. And sure enough, you know, we, that, I remember walking out of his room that afternoon. Instead of our heads hanging, we were looking at each other and went, wow, if Johnny Cash thinks we can make it, we are going to make it. And sure enough, not that much longer, you know, we, to, to make, obviously, we, met, we did find a way to stay together. And not, not much longer after that, we met Jim Halsey, who became our manager. And he is still, believe it or not, our manager today. And uh, he signed us to our first record contract with a label called ABC Dot Records. Uh, and we started having hit records. You know, he acquired the services of a gentleman named Ron Chancy to be our producer. And we started having hit records. And I remember just a few years later, we won our first Country Music Association Award for Vocal Group of the Year. And I remember when they announced our name, we ran up on stage. And instead of going to the podium to the left-hand side to receive our award, we ran over to the right-hand side where Johnny Cash was standing because he was hosting the show. And we all ran up to him and we hugged his neck. And he said, in that big booming voice ahead, see, fellas, I told you so. So, you know, it, not, not only did Johnny Cash provide financial assistance to us, but more than that were his words of encouragement. They were special. I don't think there would be an Oak Ridge Boys today without the help that Johnny Cash gave us. He was certainly a dear, dear friend. What a great story. What a great person. You've met so many good people and entertainers along the way. And so now, how did you, I, I believe I could be mistaken, Elvira is probably one of your more famous songs or the most famous. I know there's an embarrassing time in my life. I used to try to karaoke. You don't hear my, you don't hear my songs. You don't hear my karaoke because, well, it just kind of didn't work out. And one day, I'm, I, I used to do a lot of Beatles all the time, which I was, you have to practice that. But one day I'm up on stage and some guy says, Tony, come on up karaoke with me. And there's like, this, this is when we, we did public gatherings, you know, and there maybe been 50 people in the audience all drinking. And he says, I said, sure. So I run up and it's like, they play your, your song, Elvira. And I'm like, I don't know this tune so well. But your part, whenever it came up, I did perfectly. <laughs> but the rest, I was horrible. <laughs> that well, was hanging up my karaoke days. <laughs> well, and I can understand that. You know, I, I can tell you, you know, Elvira is 40 years. In fact, this year, 41 years old. It's our signature song. It's the biggest record we have ever had. You know, it, it's the song that kind of made us a household name, so to speak. And so, so it's a special song. And so we still do it every night. And one of the most fun things for me personally is when we get to the giddy up, oom papa, oom papa, mau mau part, to look out into the audience and look at all the men trying to sing along with me. It's, it's, it's kind of fun to see that. It really is. <laughs> but, but, you know, Elvira is a special song. You cannot listen to Elvira without smiling. You know, it's, it's one of those songs that makes you 
happy. It makes you want to forget about your troubles, about your cares. It make people get up and, and dance. You know, as soon as we hit the intro to the song, it's that kind of a song. And 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 uh, I think that song has helped a lot of people. While it does not contain a very heavy message, it is just a fun song. It makes people happy, and I think that's very very important. It really is, and it's a special song. And it was written, believe it or not by a good friend of ours who just recently passed away. His name is Dallas Frazier. And he, he over the years, has written many, many big country songs and gospel songs as well. And, you know, I've never written a song, but I've talked to enough songwriters that they will tell you that you never know where the inspiration is going to come from to write a song. Now, the inspiration to write Elvira came from a place that you will never believe. This is a great story. Dallas Frazier was driving home from a recording session one day, driving through East Nashville, and he came up to a street sign, and it was Elvira Street, believe it or not. He looked at the street sign. He pulled over right by the street sign, right there on the spot. He took out a piece of paper or an envelope or something, and right there he wrote, Elvira, Elvira, my heart's on fire for Elvira. And then he wrote, Giddy up, um papa, um papa, mau mau. Now I've told him, I've heard him tell this story many times. He said the giddy up, um papa, mau mau part imitates the bumps on the road. He said Elvira Street had potholes down here in the south. People call them choke holes, you know. But but and so he said he so the, the, the um papa, mau mau imitates the bump on the road. Now. He, that he had Gide, Elvira, my heart's on fire for Elvira, giddy up on Papa Mama. But that was still not enough for a song. So when he got home, he wrote verses about a woman. So the song would make a lot more sense. But the original inspiration for Elvira came from a street sign in East Nashville, Tennessee. And that street sign is still there today. <laughs> so like I say, you never know where inspiration is going to come from. In the case of Elvira, it came from a street sign. A street sign. I thought there was a woman involved. And I, well, I... <laughs> not, not now he wrote verses about a woman, of course. So it, the song would make more sense. But the original inspiration came from that street sign. Absolutely. What a great song. In fact, I was humming it uh, before this just to get my voice warmed up. <laughs> what a great song. Absolutely great. I love it. Richard, I want to make sure, uh, I know you're doing some tours. You're going, I don't, maybe you tell us, wh where are you guys going to be this year? What's happening? Well, let me tell you this. We are back to pretty much a normal schedule. You know, for, for well over a year during the pandemic, what we loved doing was taken away from us. And, we re and, and, and I don't think we realized how much we missed it, you know. And I think more so than the performing part of it, I think what we really missed the most was the feedback, the feeling that we get from our fans and from our audiences. That is so important to an entertainer. And, and, and that's the thing we missed. And now we're very excited because we're pretty much back. It started off gradually, kind of slowly, but we're, we're now back to working a full schedule. And for the rest of this year, we're going to be very, very, very busy. Uh, one one thing that's happening to us towards the end of this year is that fact, you know, we're going to be doing a Christmas show. 
We, over the years, have become known for our Christmas music. I think we have seven Christmas albums out. I, you know, with Joe, who's our MC on, on stage, quite often they'll say, we have more Christmas music out than, than Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton put together. <laughs> but, but our Christmas tour, for years and years and years, became the biggest part of our year. This year, and, and we, start, we started something just two years ago. We're doing our Christmas show here in Nashville as a residency at the Gaylord Opryland Resort. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to start on th- the night before Thanksgiving, and it's going to be every night right up till Christmas night, ex- except for Tuesdays. Tuesdays are off. You know, and, and we've done it for the last two years now. And it's a great situation for the Oak Ridge Boys. We were at home. We work a lot. We work, every, it, it, and I think it's like 33 shows total, something like that. But so it's a lot of work, but we're at home every night. Uh, I remember pulling out of my driveway like around four o'clock in the afternoon. And by nine or nine thirty, I was pulling back at, uh, at home. So it's a great situation. It's, it's what we call a residency. And it, it's a great thing. So if any of your viewers are in Nashville around Christmas time, you know, first of all, Christmas at the Gaylord and Opryland Resort is a big, big, big deal. Just millions and millions and millions of lights. So many activities for all members of the family, for kids. And this year, the Oak Ridge Boys as well, the Oak Ridge Boys show. So if any, any of your listeners, you know, come on out and, and spend some Christmas time with the Oak Ridge Boys because it's, it's going to be a special time. And we have, we have a great Christmas show. We cover every aspect of Christmas. We have a great Santa Claus he interacts with the kids, and he takes time to visit with every kid in the audience. It's really a special time. And and then we also sing, uh, with all the aspects of Christmas, we definitely want to include the most important me- true meaning of Christmas, and that's the birth of Jesus. So it's a total family show. You know, so we encourage people, come on out. If you're in Nashville, come out and see the Oak Ridge Boys Christmas show. Now, after that, into next year, we, we definitely have plans. And we, we plan to keep work. I told you earlier that we do not plan to retire. We're going to work as much as we possibly can. And now we're talking about recording another album next year. We have, we have done four albums now produced by a gentleman named Dave Cobb. If that name rings a bell, he's probably the hottest guy in Nashville right now. And he's produced four albums on the Oak Ridge Boys. He's ready to do an- another one next year. Everything is still in the talking and planning stages. I do not have a title for the album. I do not even have a list of songs I can give you other than to tell you we are talking about it with our record label and with Dave Cobb. And we plan to go into the studio sometime, probably in the spring, you know, realistically, and, and do another project. So, so like I say, we're not ready to retire. We're still, we're still looking forward and looking ahead. Richard, in preparing just a little bit for this interview, I went on and I just found a video. I just found a, a more recent video and I just clicked it to just watch, you know, and get an idea of the Oak Ridge Boys today. And I couldn't tell you what the title is of that uh, song. It was a gospel song and it was so motivating and so inspirational. I just, I, I, I zone into things. I just really zone into things. And it's just kind of when I zone into something, it's like I almost lose track of what else is going on. And it was just, it was just done so well. I can find it again and tell you later, but you're, you and the Oak Ridge boys, 
you're well known for gospel. And uh, I think it's been one of your uh, staples, one of your foundations is to do gospel. Do you still do a lot of, well, aside from that song, is that still something that uh, you we can see more of in your future album? Do you have some more gospel coming out? Well, you know, th there's no question. Gospel music is very important to us. We originally sang strictly gospel music, you know, and then we we, 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 we were very fortunate in life. We, we got a break in country music and we started having country music uh, hits. But that just made our name bigger and better. And it allowed us to take gospel music to people that do not normally hear gospel music. So it, 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 country hits increased our outreach. It, it, it reduced our marginal uh, aspect that we were living under and made it a lot bigger, if that makes any. That may not be proper grammar, but you, I think you know what I'm what I'm saying. And uh, so, so yeah, so gospel music is more, is still very important to us. Our latest album uh, is called Front Porch Singing. I remember Dave Cobb called us up and he said, you know, I'm ready to record again. The, the recording studios were all shut down during the pandemic. But he called, he said, you know, I'm ready to work now. We just have to abide by all the protocols, social distancing, no guests in the studio, and just, just abide by the rules. And, and I think we can record. And, and he said, but what I, what I want to do, he says, I want to capture the feeling of four guys just kind of gathering on a front porch and just singing in a very informal way, a very relaxed way, you know, uh, very little structure to it. And we, and Dave Cobb is a master at capturing that, you know, and we were able to do that. But on this project, we, we recorded a lot of music. Gospel music is what, I'm, what I meant to say, you know, because we were living in difficult times through that pandemic. And we, feel, we felt like people needed to hear healing music, music that gave them hope. You know, and 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 so and and Dave Cobb felt the same way. So we found a lot of old gospel songs that people will recognize. We kind of updated them a little bit. We found a few old country songs, and Dave Cobb is a uh, as hot as he is. He has a working relationship with some of the new young hot songwriters in Nashville, and they wrote a couple of brand new country songs for this project as well. We just told them when they were writing that make sure. The songs are inspirational. Make sure they're, they're songs that will give people hope. And, and we came up with that. So the whole album is the kind of music I think people need to hear right now. And uh, like, I, like Joe says on stage, the way things are going in our world, a little bit of Jesus is not going to hurt anyone. And we, and we still believe that. You know, we really do. And we will continue to do that you know, in our future recording as well. That's great. Once again, this is Richard Sturban, and we talked about from Elvis to Elvira. And you can find him at oakridgeboys.com. If you're in Nashville, go check out their Christmas show coming this year. And if you're not in Nashville, think about going and following them and checking out what they have. Richard, thank you so much. This was inspirational. This was great. I really appreciate you sharing this with our audience and giving us some insights on, on so many factors. Thank you so much, Richard. Well, Tony, thank you. It's been my pleasure talking with you. And thank you for promoting me and the Oak Ridge Boys. We, you know, we appreciate We don't take that lightly. So thank you very much. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to the top. We discussed From Elvis to Elvira with Richard Sturban. 
What a great interview with Richard. You know, it sounds so simple on the decisions that he made that continued and carried his success to the top. Follow your heart. Again, it sounds so simple. We call it intuition, gut feeling, and it's what you feel you should do. And once you make that decision, you stick with it and really push on it. So I ask you, how do you follow your intuition? How do you make those important decisions? How do you know it's really what you should do? Please tell me what you think about that in the comments. And please remember supporting the show with a nice review on Apple Podcasts, as well as comments on the video platforms. We love hearing from you. And of course, this is the most important thing. Please share this with a few friends and help them too, okay? Let's use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks and remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds, and join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 